In his book, The Case for Grace, Lee Strobel interviews a Korean-American woman named Stephanie. Now, Stephanie knows very little of her history. Uh, she was put on a train at the age of maybe three or four. Uh, she didn't have a name. Her mother never gave her a name or that she can remember. Uh, she was put on a train, age three or four, and uh, she was told which station to get off at and that her uncle would meet her there. She's pretty sure that she was the daughter of a Korean woman and an American soldier who was fighting during the Korean War. And uh, like I said, she didn't, she's not sure what her Korean name was. But all she does remember is this name, Tugi. Now, Tugi is the name that means half-breed or child of two bloods, garbage, dust, alien devil. Because she was a child of American and a Korean, American man and a Korean woman, uh, she was seen as Tugi. When she wasn't much older than a toddler, she got on that train and she got off at the station where she was told to get off at and there was no one there to meet her. Her uncle never showed up and she's not even sure that her uncle actually existed. For the next five or six years, she was homeless. She fought for her young life for five or six years. She ate locusts and field mice. She stole fruit and vegetables to stay alive and rice. And in the winter, she barely survived. On the rare occasion, a, a kind woman would open the door to her kitchen and allow her to come in and sleep next to the stove for a few hours so she could warm up. The other children would make fun of her for being toogie. She said this, I was worthless, I was dirty, I was unclean, I had no name, I had no identity, I had no family, I had no future and no hope. A farmer caught her stealing from his fields once and took her and threw her into a well. And she was terrified because she couldn't swim. And fortunately, she found a, a, a piece of rock jutting out from the wall and she was able to stand on it and balance, it on, balance on it for a few hours. And she, cr she cried out, she screamed out for help. Nobody came. Until finally at dusk, after being in the well all day, an old woman heard her and called out to her. And she lowered a bucket down to her and she climbed in and brought her out of the well. The woman told her this, said, it's very important that you live. Another time she was caught stealing and the farmer who caught her stealing tied her to her water wheel with her face sticking out and they ran her through the water and uh, pebbles and sand went in her nose and mouth and all of a sudden it stopped. A man rescued her and said, it's very important. Listen to me. You must live. She ended up in one of the largest cities in South Korea at the age of seven. And she was caught stealing food again. She was thrown into a rat-infested building and was assaulted by four or five farmers. And she was screaming, and that's the last thing she remembered before the blue eyes. She saw the blue eyes of a World Vision nurse from Sweden. And her job was to rescue babies from the street because after the war ended, babies were being abandoned left and right. She was told to bring back babies because they were more likely to be adopted. And this nurse found Stephanie on top of a garbage heap and she felt pity for her, but she knew that she was too old to take back to the orphanage. And then two things happened as the nurse turned to leave. One, she said, my legs got really 
really heavy and I couldn't move and then I heard a voice that said she's mine she brought Stephanie back to the orphanage and for the next two years she worked helping taking care of the babies Stephanie at the age of nine weighed less than 30 pounds and her hair was so infested with lice that it was white her stomach had so many worms in it that they would actually crawl out of her throat when they were hungry. She had a lazy eye that flopped around in her socket and she couldn't see. Well, one day, an American man and his wife showed up at the orphanage to adopt a baby boy. They picked up three different baby boys. They picked them up and the, old, the young man just looked in their face and stroked their face and, and, and he, was, he was crying. They were there to adopt a baby boy and, and so he held up each one and he he smelled the little babies and he rubbed his face on their face and he was just crying. He put one baby down, he'd pick another one up, another baby boy up. Do the same thing. And every time that he did this, Stephanie, who was watching from afar, got one step closer and one step closer. She had never seen love in action before. She had never seen this kind of grace before. And he did it for the third baby and then he saw Stephanie. And he walked over to her and got down in front of her and started stroking her face. She didn't know how to respond. And she kind of jerked back, and then she spit on him twice. If you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 3. If you didn't bring one, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 825. We're continuing our series this morning on the book of Galatians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the churches in the region of Galatia, which is in modern-day Turkey. And today we're talking about how Jesus frees us to be children of God. How Jesus frees us to be God's children. I'll finish Stephanie's story in just a little bit. But first I want to talk about this passage of Scripture from Galatians 3, verses 26 through chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to take this in two little bits. And we're going to talk about what it means. Uh, we're looking at verses 26 through 29 of chapter 3 first. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In this passage, we see how we have been made children of God and how we become children of God. Uh, the Galatians were Gentiles. They were not part of Abraham's lineage. They weren't part of Abraham's line. They weren't part of Abraham's family. They weren't part of God's family. They were excluded from the family of God. But through Jesus Christ, they were given the opportunity to become children of God, adopted into his family. And we see how this happens. He says, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. It's one of my favorite verses. Verse 27 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Because it means that when I got baptized, December 9, 1981, when I got baptized, I was clothed with Christ. I put on Jesus. And so God doesn't, when God sees me, he doesn't see Sean. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see my sin, he sees his son. He doesn't see my shame, he sees Jesus' glory. 
that when God looks at me, he doesn't see me and my failures and my imperfections and my faults and my struggles and my sins. That because I've put on Christ, because I've been, because I've been clothed with Christ, now he sees Jesus. How amazing is that? That, that God, when he looks at you, if you've been baptized into Christ, when he looks at you, he doesn't see you. And we know ourselves all too well, don't we? I mean, we know our sins and our struggles and our, our temptations and the things that we do that we shouldn't do, the things that we do do that we shouldn't do, the things that we don't do that we should do. He sees it all. He, we see it all. We know it all. We know how bad we are. We know how, how bad we can be. But when God looks at you, when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He doesn't see me as an outsider. He doesn't see me as worthless. He doesn't see me uh, as anything other than his child. That when Jesus came, the Son of God, he came to make us children of God, not outsiders. That even though we're, we're not, we, we were not Jewish and, and, and the Gentiles weren't Jewish, God wanted to open up his family. So that everyone could come in and be a child of God. So that everyone could be children of God. And, and I love this verse uh, in, in verse uh, 20, uh, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We all have access to the same grace, through the same faith in Jesus Christ then it doesn't matter your ethnic heritage. It doesn't matter your economic status. It doesn't matter your gender. It only, the only thing that matters is Jesus. And when you put your faith and trust in him by believing in him, repenting from your sins, confessing your faith, and getting baptized, that God washes away your sins and he makes you in his child. He brings you into his family. What a wonderful thought. What an amazing God who welcomes us into his family. That no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how wealthy you are or how poor you are, no matter if you're red and yellow, black and white or brown, no matter if you're a man or a woman, God wants you in his family. And he's made it possible for you to become part of his family. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And when he sees you, he no longer sees you. He sees Jesus. What an amazing thought. What an amazing God. What amazing love is this? What incredible grace is this? That we don't deserve because of our many sins. But this gift that God has for us. He lavishes upon us. We'll talk about that in just a second. I want to keep going. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. He says, What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, 
that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. In those days, uh, the son of, 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 a, uh, of a father would inherit the entire estate. And it would be divided among the children, uh, among the male children. But there was an inheritance to receive. And uh, until the time that you were of age, though, you were not considered any different than a slave in the household. But when you became of age and your father passed away, you would receive the inheritance, which actually included the slaves in the household. You would inherit them as well because they were seen as little more than property. And what, what, Peter, or what Paul is saying here is he's, he's correlating this idea that, that we once were slaves to the principles of this world, he says, to the basic principles of this world, slaves to sin, slaves to fear, slaves to temptation. And now, because of God's grace, we have been brought near, we have been made into his family. We have been made children of God. And, and, and I love this idea of being a child of God. Because it means it, it, there are some important implications that we're going to talk about in just a minute of what it means to be a child of God. That God welcomes us into his family. That God says, you are, you are not a slave to sin or fear. You are not a slave to the basic principles of, of, principles of this world. But rather, I have brought you into my family and I am making you a child of mine. Then I'm going to give you an inheritance. That there is something we are going to receive. The inheritance of heaven, the, in the inheritance of eternal life, that we will be uh, given uh, this wonderful gift of eternal life in the presence of Jesus Christ. And he says, God sent his son, his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem us, to save us, to rescue us, to free us from the world and from sin and from fear and from the past and from our shame, and from our guilt. And he frees us to be his children instead. And so maybe you're sitting there going, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have the best home life growing up. I didn't have the best father. I didn't have the best life. I didn't have the best siblings. My family is more dysfunctional than functional. Welcome to the club. We'll get you fitted for your jacket. It's pretty much true for us all. But in reality, the family of God is unlike any family you've ever been a part of. The family of God, as dysfunctional as it can be, has a perfect heavenly father who has put the spirit of his son in our hearts. When the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. It is the spirit of Jesus Christ that cries out, Paul says, Abba, Father. Abba is the Aramaic word not just for father, but for daddy. It is an intimate term. And there's a difference between a father and a daddy. Let me illustrate it like this. When you're in trouble, what does your mother say? You wait till your gets home. You just wait till your father gets home. But when you're not in trouble, and you hear that car door slam, you run to the door going, Daddy, 
right? There's a difference between a daddy and a father. And Paul says that our spirits cry out. The spirit within us cries out, Daddy. That God is your heavenly daddy. He invites you to climb up in his lap. He invites you to come near to him. He invites you into this relationship, this daddy-son relationship, this daddy-daughter relationship. He invites you to have this. And he's unlike any daddy you've ever known. Your father may have failed you time and time again. Your father may have uh, disappointed you time and time again. Your heavenly daddy will never fail you. And he will never disappoint you. We sing the song, Good, Good Father. And we, it's in the words it says, you are perfect in all of your ways. And sometimes that's hard to see. Sometimes we wonder how that can be. But it's true. God never does anything wrong. He's always on time. He's rarely early. He's never late. And he's always right on time. He will never leave you or abandon you. He is always with you. He is your heavenly Abba, your heavenly Daddy. And he calls you his child. All of us who have been baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. We have been made part of God's family. He is our heavenly daddy, and we are his children. Now, I, don't want, I want to make sure we get something straight here. Okay? According to John and according to Paul, not everyone is a child of God. Now, God is everyone's creator, but God is not everyone's father. And that may sound strange, but it's true. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're made part of his family. You are made a child of God. You are adopted into his family. And it is an adoption of love. Not everyone is a child of God. God is everyone's creator, but not, God is not everyone's father. So that's an important distinction that we need to remember. Because here's the thing. Everybody can be a child of God, even if they're not yet. And we have got to spread that message that you can be God's child by grace through faith. You can be God's child. He can be your daddy. He can be your heavenly father. And it's by grace through faith. That's what we've been talking about these last several weeks. So, there are some things that you got to know. First of all, if, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus yet, we, we, you've got to do it. You've got to become part of this family. You've got to become a this, part of this family of faith. And so my invitation is always there, that after the service, if you're thinking about it, if you're thinking, man, I've got to do this, I've got I to gotta become part of this family of faith, I, I'll be right down here. You come talk to me after this service this morning. Don't wait another day. Don't put it off another day. Come and talk to me. Let's have that conversation. Let's talk about your journey of faith and, and what your next step is. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you put your faith and trust in Him, then there are some important implications that you've got to know. First of all, your royalty. Oh, I love this. When you are the child of a king, 
when you are the child of God, when God is your father, when he is your heavenly daddy, he is the king, right? He is the king. And that makes you a prince or a princess. That when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he makes you his child, he makes you his prince, he makes you his princess. Guys, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a prince. Say, I am a prince. Ladies, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a princess. Say, I am a princess. Look at your husband. Say, I am a princess. You better treat me as such. Don't say that. But it's true. You are royalty. Don't let anybody tell you that you, are, that you, do, you do not have worth. Don't let anybody tell you that you do not have value. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't have value. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't have worth. Because your heavenly father, your heavenly daddy thinks that you are to die for. He sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and my sins. And he thinks you're to die for. And God doesn't need you. And he doesn't need me. He wants you. And he wants me to be his he doesn't need you. He doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need any. He's perfectly capable of doing everything on his own. It's not a matter of need. It's a matter of want. And he wants to adopt you into his family. So not only are you royalty, but look around, you are surrounded by royalty. So here's my, here's my thing. Look around the room. You are surrounded by princes and princesses. Don't trash your family. Don't slander your family. Don't gossip about your family. Love your family. Treat one another like the princes and princesses you are. Don't trash your family. We're family here. That's what we do. We love each other. We build each other up. We pray for one another. We hold one another accountable so that we can grow in faith. We encourage each other. We sometimes put up with each other. But we love each other. You are royalty. And you are surrounded by royalty. Act like it. Act like the child of God that you are. You know, one of my, one of my deepest desires is that my, my little guy will grow up and he will love being a cornet. And that he will take pride in that name. And that he will love being a part of the Cornet family. I love being a Cornet. And I love being part of the Cornet family. I want to instill that in my son. And that his, that his grandparents be proud of him. That his parents be proud of him. And, and that he will not only understand that he's a Cornet, but he's, he's, got, a, he's got a bunch of Kilhoffer in him too. That's my wife's maiden name. And that he'll be proud of his families and be proud of this name that he wears. You wear the name of Christ. You are the son and daughter of the king. And Jesus is your brother. You get that? Jesus is your brother. He is part of your family. So don't trash your family. Because you got a big brother who's going to defend his family. He's going to. And if you mess with him, you mess with his family, you're messing with him. So don't mess with his family. Love his family like you love him. 
Stephanie's story. Hmm. After she spit in the man's face twice, she ran away. But the couple came back the next day and pursued her. And she thought, I'm in real trouble now. The interpreter told her that they didn't want to punish her, that they wanted to take her to their house. Stephanie didn't understand what these two American missionaries were doing. She thought she was being taken to their house to become their servant. They took her home, and she was amazed by the refrigerator, the flush toilet, and the fact that she had her own bed. She thought, this will be a fun place to work. But they nursed her back to health. They fed her, and they tucked her into bed every night. She was very confused because for several months, people no longer treated her like a tugi. They were treating her like a princess. A girl told her that she smelled like an American. And she said, I'm not an American, but those Americans sure are funny. They haven't put me to work yet. They're treating me really nice. The girl said, Stephanie, don't you realize that you're their daughter? She said, no, I'm not their daughter. And she said, yes, you are. You are their daughter. And she took off running to her house. And she ran into the house and in Korean said over and over again, I am your daughter, I am your daughter, I'm your daughter. And her mother didn't speak Korean. But a worker told her what she said and with tears flowing down her face, she got in front of her and said, yes, you are my daughter. Remember this, my friends, we are all Tugi. We are all, we were all unworthy. We were all unwanted. We were all not, we didn't have a family. We didn't have a family, but our heavenly daddy reached down and he sent his son Jesus and said, I want you. I want you and I want you and I want all of you. I want every single one of you in my family and I will do whatever it takes to make you a part of my family and if it takes the blood of my son I will shed the blood of my son so that you can be in my family and that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross and he gave up his life he said I want you to be a part of my family and he did it and Jesus frees us to be children of God.